love is what you need. Love is what see God. Feel it. Love it. Live it. See. Good evening and welcome to this special program brought to you by the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. I am Onelisa Dube and my guests this evening are the Executive Director and Research Advisor at Media Monitors, Patience Zirima, and Nigeria Mutumbu, who is a media freedom activist. And we are going to be looking at the role of the media during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, there has been uh, this global pandemic that is unprecedented and people in the forefront of community communicating what this COVID pandemic is about, what it entails, the effect that it has on the communities has been lying on the media. It was the role of the media to make sure that correct information has been conveyed to the people. Now, we are going to, we are going to be having this conversation looking at what role the media has actually played and if they have actually fulfilled their role in an ethical manner. And my guests this evening are going to, to start, um, are going to assist in having that conversation uh, Patience, I'll start with you. You actually wrote a, a research paper on the issue to do with the journalists, uh, the work of the media, and what they were expected to, to relay. Tell us about some of the hurdles that journalists have been facing as far as working in the COVID-19 pandemic is concerned and communicating in the COVID-19 pandemic has been. Thank you very much for inviting me to the program. Um, the media has definitely uh, had a huge role to play in really just providing information from the very beginning when we uh, started seeing cases of COVID-19 um, in March, uh, March last year. So we have seen the media providing information on the various issues whenever we have a press conference, when we have um, any uh, statements that are being released from the Minister of Health, the Minister of Information, we see the media reporting on, on all those issues. So in terms of really providing information as they're supposed to do, they have been carrying out this role. There have, however, been challenges in terms of uh, how they have been able to carry out this role. And these challenges actually even affect how they can ethically report uh, and professionally report on, on COVID-19. Um, Perhaps just to identify some of the issues. The first is really around um, journalists not having enough uh, access to information that they need to be able to really write on, on COVID-19. We see quite a bit of information coming up. I think most of us have seen the updates that we received maybe from the Minister of Health probably. But we notice that there is quite a, a lot of information outside the statistics that are provided that can actually be useful to citizens. We've got uh, issues to do in the, the very beginning, isolation centers. There was very little information that we saw in the media in terms of uh, where are the, the uh, isolation centers, where are they located, how much is it to go there, how do you really just get yourself admitted into an, an a treatment, uh, um, isolation and treatment center. Uh, we have issues uh, right now around the vaccine. Uh, people uh, want to know what's happening. We know that there are some, some vaccines that are being received, but issues around the efficacy of the the the, the um the vaccines, for example, are probably issues that might need the, the journalists might need to be able to 
to know so that they can convey this information. Sorry, uh, Patience, to, uh, I just um, need to get clarity to somewhere. You indicated that there has been difficulties yes. to access of information. Is it an issue of yes. access of information or is there adequate information as it is? Do we know enough? Maybe when I say we as a country, do we have enough information mm -hmm. that journalists can actually access? Uh, probably because the virus is new, we probably don't have enough, as much information as we need, but that which is there is something that needs to be released to the public, proactively by the government, really releasing information to the public and uh, really government officials making, availing themselves to journalists so that they can be able to comment on the various issues. Um, in the research that uh, I carried out, you notice that uh, journalists across the board, it doesn't matter from which media house they are coming from, uh, have issues in terms of accessing the, um, the minister, accessing officials within the different ministries for them to be able to give comments or to talk about issues that they probably have information around. Like I indicated, for example, perhaps we don't know much about the virus or we don't know maybe uh, some information which might not be uh, in the public domain and countries are still grappling around, but there is information, like I indicated earlier, when there were isolation centers, surely a government official knows exactly where these are. They've got documents to that effect. You know, they've got, there is information that is actually available that needs to be availed, but isn't getting availed because uh, officials might not be ready to comment or the, the, the government doesn't really have those policies to be able to provide uh, proactively information to people who ask for it. Nigel, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. As a um, media freedom activist, what have you noted to be the concerns as far as reporting COVID-19 stories has been concerned? Well, uh, thanks, Mona Lisa, and uh, also thanks to, to Patience um, uh, for uh, really digging deep into uh, the challenges that journalists uh, have been facing insofar as uh, reporting uh, this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And uh, what our way in, where our way in, uh, and it's also just reflections uh, from uh, the uh, paper developed by patients, but also from uh, my you know, personal interactions and work within the media sector. Uh, that what COVID-19 uh, in my submission has been able to do is to get journalists, to get media organization, reflect on um, what I would define as trying to unpack and understand uh, public interest. Uh, if you notice, in terms of uh, uh, some of the key findings from uh, how uh, and reports on how the media has been performing, one key thread that has been coming has been uh, how the COVID story could have been balanced insofar as trying to balance what is in the public interest uh, and still maintaining the ethical uh, uh, conduct or the ethical expected ethical standard and practice that uh, a journalist should conform to. And the one ethical um, uh, dilemma that journalists and the media face, that number one, 
uh, how fair is it to uh, a patient would have uh, been that would have you know uh, to, 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 the, to the virus? At what stage? At what level? Uh, is the media? Or was the media ought to have gone uh, insofar as unpacking and, and, and interrogating and inquiring and investigating in a pandemic that had already been, you know, a, 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 a been treated as a high security uh, issue. We talk of inaccessibility of the health minister. The health minister is also the vice president um, of, 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 of the country, um, at least even in, in, in the in, in recent times and during the uh, 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 coverage of the pandemic. So what then that does, uh, coupled with uh, the fear factor, uh, that... Uh, but the Nigel, sort of, has anyone uh, actually you know, tried of, to access uh, the health minister, the vice president in his capacity as a health minister to sit him down and have a conversation with him and they've actually been denied that access? Well, you, you don't, you don't, because you don't, you're the one who you speaks of fear, right? On, um, Have people not concluded that he's inaccessible before actually trying to access him? Yes, and they, and and, they, and also if you look at the uh, patient's report, it's something uh, that journalists you know, themselves have, 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 have tried uh, and they have been also been, you know, uh, overtures to, to try and, um, you know, get that particular conversation outside, you know, the, the, the official dome or the sources. If you look at the sources of the COVID-19 story uh, themselves, 90%, 95% uh, is, is, is information that cannot be uh, verified further, uh, and, and 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 the complexities around verifying uh, uh, that uh, uh, is clear because as, as you as, as you say, uh, and and you know, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the the protocols and and so forth, and in terms of the state of the nation addresses that uh, have been given. Journalism is a science of verifying information. It's a science of uh, uh, verification. How 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 was there any real scope in the public interest to verify to scrutinise uh, 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 the, the information that was largely sourced from 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 one port? And and what that makes is that need to really now further sharpen our minds in defining public interest, in defining our codes of conduct, and in also fine-tuning the Freedom of Information Act and uh, accessibility of information thereof. Speaking of issues to do with public interest, I'll engage patients on this one. Um, I know that where do we draw the line between public interest? Because obviously when it comes to COVID-19, there's issues to knowing who has COVID-19 in order to contact taste, uh, contract contact, trace them, and also an issue of just being careful as individuals. I know there was a an article which you also cited in your report, Patients, about a patient who was almost named drop uh, because of COVID-19 in the early days. And I know here on ZFM Stereo, we've had various programs where people would um, request, if it's possible, to get the information of the people that are actually infected by COVID-19. So where do you draw the line between ethics uh, and public interest and actually protecting the rest of the populace? 
thank you for that question. I think um, these interests need to be balanced. Um, we need to really balance the interests to see we have the public, uh, public health interests, but also citizens don't stop having rights and individuals do not stop having rights because we have a pandemic. Uh, in Zimbabwe, for example, we see that uh, when you look at COVID-19 and how it's been uh, treated in other countries, for example, in some countries it has been treated as um, a COVID-19, um, well, COVID-19 legislation specifically has been um, uh, uh, put out there under uh, laws that look at uh, public emergencies. Uh, so that would actually allow the government, for example, to be able to put in legislation that says that some rights can actually be taken away from citizens. But in Zimbabwe, we did not do that. And citizens, individuals still have rights, rights to privacy, rights to information, even when we have a pandemic that is going on. So when we're looking at um, public health matters. Yes, it is important for people to know certain information, but is it really necessary for people to know individual information on individuals who are actually infected or affected? What exactly do people want to do with this information? Because when we look at it, we found that um, even research uh, from, from organization that I, I work for, Media Monitors, we did research around how people, how the media had been naming people who had been uh, infected and or affected, not necessarily just Zimbabwean citizens or the patients that are indicated patient number 15 as she was, she became known. Um, we had uh, issues where um, uh, the media was actually naming people who had come into the country from different uh, uh, areas of the world, for example, from Asia, from England, and it became a situation where it seemed as if only those people who are coming from outside, whether they had traveled, Zimbabwe's traveled from outside, uh, uh, people from other countries who had, or citizens of other countries who had come into Zimbabwe, who are now being seen as the people who are the ones with COVID. The problem now comes where you have situations where there is not enough context, for example, by the media to be able to talk about, okay, so we have identified that there is this person contextually, what are they saying? And is there enough information around how do you ensure that people protect themselves? How do you, are you going to, I, whether when they don't self-isolate or when you meet someone who is said to, to, to have had COVID or is suffering from COVID, how do you protect yourself, for example? So in terms of how to manage this, it's about, I think, protecting people's identities unless the person themselves has actually decided that I want to come out and talk about my status. But when they don't want to be named, protecting people's identities, protecting their privacy and ensuring that they are, as individuals, they maintain their rights while we also work around the public health issues. Yes, definitely, when we have the public health workers who are doing contact tracing, like you indicated, they would have this information. And But then they do not necessarily need to reveal this information uh, to the public, uh, especially when that person does not want their name out in, in, in the public. When we're also looking at um, the stigma that has come with uh, COVID-19, what, what does it mean then to reveal someone there the, the publicly that this person has called COVID-19? Won't that actually uh, mean that people become uh, vulnerable to attacks, for example, when they, they, people know that they, they, they do have COVID-19 and people are afraid of, of what COVID-19 might actually do? So we, we need to be able to balance. I think the jury is still out in terms of 
how much do you lean towards public health as compared to people's rights to privacy, for example, but definitely these rights need to be balanced when we're looking at uh, managing COVID-19 and the rights of people. This is a special program brought to you by the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. I am Onelisa Dube, and my guest this evening, I have Patience Zirima from Media Monitors, as well as Nigel Nyamutumbu, who is a media freedom activist. Now, let's have a let's let's have a look at. Obviously, when we started out, like you said, patients, there wasn't a lot of information. Uh, it's a it's a pandemic. No one has gone through it. There's a lot of mistreatment of certain individuals and the number of people that a group of people that also was mistreated in this whole uh, issue were journalists. Right. So let's look at the importance of the media in covering a pandemic. Was the media actually given that role or recognized as important as part of the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, My answer to this would be yes, but there were gaps. Um, Initially, uh, when journalists started uh, covering COVID-19, they were not recognized as an essential service uh, by the law. Uh, The first uh, statutory instrument that was passed did not recognize uh, journalists as an essential service. Eventually they did, they were recognized as an essential service. But what was uh, more worrying were some of uh, the the failure by those who were implementing uh, lockdown, uh, implementing the lockdown and uh, enforcing uh, regulations on COVID-19, their failure to be able to recognize journalists even after they had been uh, accredited, even after they had um, been recognized as an essential service because there were some, uh, quite a number of cases. Uh, from March last year all the way to December, for example, there were 52 journalists who were um, either attacked, or they were arrested and arrested and let go. Uh, they were charged with various offenses that that included um, uh, breaking uh, the, the curfew or going out uh, after curfew, for example. Would the reason behind this treatment of journalists be an issue of those gaps that you're talking about of people actually not understanding or law enforcers not understanding the role of the media? Yes, definitely. That is one issue. I think that we we actually had a meeting with uh, um, the police last year when we're speaking around these issues. And one of the key issues was around the police force actually knowing or understanding the role of the media and being able to treat the media in a certain way as they were uh, carrying out their duties. So definitely, yes, some of those gaps in terms of knowledge, in terms of understanding, by, by especially by law enforcement, uh, really needs to be, to, to be dealt with. Uh, one of the suggestions that was made, for example, was around training of uh, law enforcement agencies who are ca- conducting lockdown on how to treat people who are or, or, or people who are in essential services, how to work with journalists. I'm not sure if this was done, but definitely this is a conversation that has been ongoing. Nigel, I'll engage you. Now that they, the jur- journalists, the media has now been recognized as essential services and they are now regarded as frontline workers. They can actually go around to do their work. And also in Zimbabwe, the lockdown measures have been loosened anyway. Would you say that all things being equal, journalists are actually playing their role well as the watchdog of society as far as COVID-19 is concerned? Yes, I think uh, uh, the, the, the bigger question we should uh, 
uh, also be interrogating further. In a de- I mean, the, the role of journalists and the role of the media uh, in, 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 in covering the, the pandemic cannot be overstated. I mean, it says it's, it's important. It's, uh, um, there is no way that people that are locked down, uh, people that are, 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 are not uh, supposed to, you know, make unnecessary movements or are supposed to just uh, be within the confines of their home, how else are they going to uh, know information on, on COVID or, you know, how are they going to um, uh, understand the latest development and what is going on if there is no uh, media freedom, if there is no uh, an enabling environment for journalists to be able to bring that message uh, forward to them. But like uh, I was saying, perhaps we need to further interrogate uh, who this uh, public uh, or, you know, this public we are referring to, that we want to protect its interest. Who is this audience? You know, and for the, for, for us to be able to do that, we need to be interrogating uh, how how our media uh, is being consumed. Uh, we need to interrogate who is actually uh, yeah, you know, communicating and what are they communicating uh, in, in, in so far as, as, as the media. Uh, we need some sort of a baseline um, around uh, this, you know, consumption patterns, especially in light of uh, fake news, disinformation, uh, and then so forth, the wide array uh, of information that is reaching people's homes. Uh, we need to ensure that it, when we are defining the code of conduct, when we are defining the ethics uh, of, 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 of the profession, when we are striking the balance, we need to strike a balance uh, having actually appreciated uh, who exactly is consuming what. Uh, is it, is it, will it be a, a, a question uh, of us working around as journalists rebuilding that trust between us and uh, uh, say the the, the 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 police service who ordinarily should be protecting us and not ne- unnecessarily interfering with our work is it a question uh, that we need to uh, you know uh, further uh, our resources invest in actually uh, ensuring that the messages that we are packaging around COVID-19 are are the ones that will carry the day because we'll be the most reliable uh, in this information society that we are are living in. How best can we also as media not just carry whatever it is, 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 is coming uh, and, and pass it as news. How do we regain uh, that public interest? So but maybe we, we can actually really pose that question to uh, the consumers of media. Uh, our listeners here on ZFM Stereo, let us know on 0731168045. Do you think that the media has been uh, giving you the adequate enough information about COVID-19 as you would require. So maybe that can help us answer all these questions that you're posing, Nigel. As we wrap up the program, I'll ask each of you, I know this is an ongoing series and we're going to have more of these conversations in the next coming weeks. How best can we bridge the gap? We bridge the gap between, um, of course, trying to manage the amount of information that goes out to the public. And I know that there has been a number of laws that have been put in place, SIs that have been 
put in place to actually criminalize uh, spreading falsehoods as far as COVID-19 is concerned. So where do we bridge the gap in being careful, in being ethical, and in actually relaying information to the public that needs to know this information? Uh, thank you for, for that question. Firstly, I think I do not subscribe to, subscribe to any criminalization of any form. Um, I think the best way that we can be able to manage uh, misinformation or fake news is to provide accurate information. So if you have um, the different stakeholders from the government to the media to uh, medical professionals providing accurate information to citizens in the correct amounts, giving them the right information, you will not have so much misinformation out there because misinformation one of the key drivers of misinformation or disinformation is the lack of information by the public. So the public is going to start consuming any information that they actually hear and that they think is accurate. So I think instead of actually trying to criminalize and try to find people what uh, are passing around fake news and arresting people because you can't then arrest everybody who's going to be sending or forwarding a message. It is better, I believe, to be able to provide that information that is needed. Um, so how best do we and, deal uh, then with the issue of, of as it's now called, fake news. How then do we deal it? You deal with it. You spoke about how you were not for criminalization of any sort, but you would attest to the fact that, especially on social media, there has been a lot of uh, false information that has been spreading. So how can that be handled? Well, Mona Lisa, for a start, you, you can't criminalize everyone. If we look at our groups themselves, you had 250 members. Each of them forwards a, a, a fake message you can't control the viral, viral information by criminalizing it and, and, and addressing individuals like that. I think you need to provide that information. Our laws need to be used much better to be able to provide accurate information that counters the fake news. Because the more you counter the fake news, the more you provide accurate information through trusted sources, for example, through the media and journalists, you give out the information people need. There is, people have got... Uh, quite a, a large access to, to a mainstream media, for example, to radio, you can be able to use these trusted sources to send out information, work with people who, um, the, the experts around the area and who are able to provide uh, ad accurate information from the ministries, from the UN agencies, from a civil society, people who can actually be trusted by citizens from churches, etc., and ensuring that citizens have accurate information, because I think the best way is to provide, I, I guess, a counter uh, to what the fake news that is actually out in the in, in the public. Nigel, as we wrap up, I'll also give you a chance uh, to say your bit on what you think can be done to bridge these various gaps that we were speaking about throughout the show. Yes, I think uh, for, for, for us, it's about strengthening uh, uh, professional media. Uh, for us, it's about strengthening uh, uh, ethical conduct, ethical practices uh, of, 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 of the media. For us, it's about strengthening the self-regulatory mechanism of the media such that uh, if there is uh, anyone that feels uh, 
uh, that certain information is inaccurate, is false. There are uh, remedies uh, outside criminalization that are explored uh, to restore uh, and make the media accountable and to restore the credibility uh, of the media. So for me, the, the response, the answer is in about strengthening mainstream media, media that is identifiable, uh, media that uh, has the necessary requisite skill uh, to verify information, media that has the necessary skills to package that information, a media that mediates uh, information and ensures that citizens are protected, uh, the privacy, the rights of citizens. And the idea also is uh, in strengthening the access to information laws, implementing it uh, such that because when there is information gap, you promote, uh, you know, either speculation or you you leave room uh, for for uh, people to to spread falsehood. Yeah. So to wrap up, uh, the the idea is to uh, uh, go back to our you know ethics, to go back to our basics in terms of uh, journalism. Uh, the idea is to uh, really uh, continue with the reform uh, process in terms of our media laws. The idea is to ensure a conducive operating environment uh, for, for for journalists, and the idea is to build trust. Uh, and credibility within the media and the, the citizens. Absolutely. On that note, we wrap up this episode of Media Watch uh, brought to you by the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. And we'll be back again next week, Wednesday from 8 p.m. as we look at the role of the media and COVID-19 and relaying the correct information that is relevant for the public to know. And my guest this evening, thank you so much, the Executive Director and Research Advisor at Media Monitors, Patience Zirima and Nigel Nyamutumbu, a media freedom activists. I appreciate your time with us this evening. And that's it from us. I'm Lisa Dube. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Z. If love is what you need, love is what you got. Love it. Live it. See.